at some point you have to stop paying rent. My name is Matt Tanner and this is Franchisees United. Welcome to episode seven of the Franchisees United podcast. I am your host, Matt Tanner. Today, we'd like to welcome Andrew Margolik onto the episode. Andrew is the founder of ARM Consultant and represents both franchisees and franchisors across the country and helping them maximize the value of their leases. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. How was your flight? It was good. It was good? Yeah. So first time in South Florida or has it been a while? No, been, I was here uh, last week. Last, so, what were you here for? Yeah, baseball. For okay, baseball, so. nice, nice. So I know your background is professional sports, right? Baseball? Yes. So tell us a little bit about that. I uh, was a baseball player until I was 24 years old, 25 years old, and then uh, injuries, retired, was an agent, and then found the real world. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you do day-to-day with, with ARM Consultant? Tell us a little bit about your day-to-day, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of dive in from there about everything that you do. Sure. So the company works with um, franchisors, franchisees, corporate uh, operations as well, but really works on mostly existing portfolios of leases or existing individual leases. So could be someone who has a renewal coming up, someone who wants to extend. In the case of some people, they're not timing the uh, their leases right, if you will, in terms of renewals. And then with new stuff, it's managing brokers that are out there finding sites and then reviewing LOIs and leases. So lots of stuff with leases. Lots of stuff with leases, <laughs> yes. So who are some of your most common clients and I guess, what are some of the things that they really need to look out for when looking at their leases? Uh, in terms of common clients. You so mean, any type of brands that you, brands, uh, franchises? Hand Express has been a client for a long time. They're, mm-hmm. they're not franchised, but I do work with CeCe's Pizza, with Salad Works, uh, Coffee Beanery, several other franchisors and franchisees. And uh, it's really, again, just having the franchisees understand that their expertise is really in operations mm-hmm. and maximizing Sometimes sales. Yeah, you would hope, <laughs> but maximizing sales, yeah. um, not necessarily understanding what's in their lease. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm there for is to help them understand what they're obligated to do and what their risks are. And then managing again, the timing of when they might act on a lease. Right. And you know, from my experience as a franchisee, there's just so many things in your lease that, that you have to really be careful of and understand, you know, even some of the terminology and understanding, you know, is it a personal guarantee? Is it a corporate guarantee? You know, your rent escalations, um, you know, what was the thing you had mentioned earlier? Termination. Termination calls. I'm sorry. So there's just so many different things. So tell us a little bit about some of those things and and some of the experience that you've had kind of advising franchisees of certain terms in the lease that they kind of need to be aware of. Yeah. What I've found a lot franchisees is that they understand the rent that they want to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't necessarily understand how that rent might increase and how extra charges like your common area maintenance, promo charges, things like that. Mm-hmm. In some cases, a lease does not have a ceiling on what the landlord can increase. And you've got cases like I know you're very familiar with, but down here at Dolphin Mall, yeah. where the extra charges, <laughs> they exceed the rent yeah. in a lot of cases. And so franchisees can get caught up in that mm-hmm. and then as importantly uh lease is sometimes a 70 page document and while it's a lot of legalese mm-hmm. there's business terms in there and yeah so someone again they might have the exact rent they want to pay they might have a 10-year deal which is exactly what they wanted 
and they didn't read that a landlord has the right to relocate them to an inferior space at their cost. It's probably a pretty important thing to not miss. Yes. So you brought up shopping malls. How do you feel about the future of shopping malls versus some of these outdoor centers? Uh, I think malls, the, the, there are roughly 1,200 malls in the country now. Um, you know, they're, they're, some of them are going away. I think if I'm guessing within 10 years, a third of them will be gone entirely and mm -hmm. be repurposed for something. A third are very good and they'll be the same as, as always. You know, Sawgrass Mills isn't going to go anywhere down yeah. here. Uh, and then you've got a third where you're probably going to live there. You're going to shop there in terms of your food. You're going to see your doctor there. So there's a lot of uh, what I'm seeing around the country now is a lot of these closings of Sears, Macy's, J.C. Penney's mm -hmm. being replaced by uh, multifamily, putting apartments in, yeah. putting medical in. That, exactly. And that's what I've always said is these malls really need to focus on bringing, you know, true destination type of, of tenants into the mall. Like, like you said, the medical, you know, dentist offices, some of the things that people really have to see or have to go and visit and get them into the mall. And then all of a sudden other tenants are going to get business because of it. I had brought up, you know, one of the malls I was in a few years back, I told, I, I talked to the, the, the landlord. I said, I said, if I were you guys, I would literally get on the phone with Apple and tell them that they could move in for free and have a free 10 year lease, pay nothing because it changes the entire dynamic of the mall and it gives them so much leverage to bring in new tenants because you now have a draw like that. I mean, would you agree that would be a good? Absolutely. <laughs> and, and they're so close-minded about it and I, I was just blown away by it. And this was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama where the closest Apple store was in Birmingham. You have all these university students that the majority of iPhones, why not try to make a play like that and you know give the mall some, some life to it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's just a short-term <laughs> view of the landlords uh, mm -hmm. versus a long-term view. In some cases, you have REITs that are, if they own a center, then they're going to act differently than if they have debt on a center. But, right, that's yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, the, back to the medical, I mean, if you have a, a dentist or, you know, I've seen a lot of dialysis centers, mm -hmm. and a dialysis center at a mall means someone is probably taking the person who's getting dialysis, then they're waiting while that person is getting treatment. What are they going to do while they're waiting? They're going to go shop. We at least hope they might just walk around. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that's, you need to create traffic. So entertainment, 100%. medical, um, again, residential. Mm -hmm. 100%. Um, so let me ask you this. You're a franchisee of a business in a mall, and the mall is just declining like crazy. How would you help or how do you help franchisees get out of their lease or renegotiate their lease? What's your approach? Uh, it's really, so first it's a kind of a thorough review of the lease and what their rights are. Mm -hmm. uh, in a perfect world, they've negotiated something that's co-tenancy, meaning if there's enough vacancy, they can go to an alternative rent. If it doesn't get fixed, then they can terminate the lease. Um, a lot of times, again, unfortunately, I've found that franchisees don't have that. Yep. So they're stuck. So at that point, you look at the personal guarantee, you look at the time remaining, and is the profitability a, of a business? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming if they want to get out or renegotiate, that it's not profitable. Not doing well, yeah, yeah. But um, if someone has a limited personal guarantee, I'll, a quick story on that. I just had a client, a uh, mm -hmm. Menchie's franchisee. What is it? Menchie's. Okay. Um, they're the individual kind of servings of frozen yogurt. That's the worst business to be. <laughs> <laughs> the frozen yogurt business. 
Oh yeah, my God. but this person had smartly negotiated after a few years, his personal guarantee went down and it was six months and he had four years left on the lease. The landlord needed the occupancy. The comment to the landlord was this guy's better off just walking away than making a tiny bit of money here. Right. And we were able to negotiate a significant reduction for him. And that's a scenario that made a lot of sense for them. But let's talk about a franchisee that the mall really needs them in the space and all of a sudden, you know, their business is just losing like crazy. It's 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 not profitable. They're constantly having to sink money into it. What are some of the drastic measures they might have to take? Uh, at some point, you have to stop paying rent. You have to look at there it is. You know, really going <laughs> having the landlord, you know, putting it on the landlord to, in some cases, do their job and go find your replacement. Mm-hmm. It's and almost like a chess game sometimes. Like you have to at some point make a move to do something rather than you know. I've my brother and I have had clients that. They've literally come to us and they're like, you know, I want to get out of my out of my lease. I have no other options. I'm losing money. But they're literally just funding the business and paying the rent every month. So why would the landlord ever let them out of the lease? They're a perfect tenant to the exactly. landlord. Yeah. And so, it goes a lot of it goes back to timing too when you do it. So mm-hmm. I've had people who have approached me that are were nine months to a year into a ten year lease. Mm-hmm. And they've said, Well, I'm not making money and the landlord needs to help me and they just haven't given their business time. Those people are very hard to work with. But <laughs> someone who has given it a chance and really sees that it's not going to work, yep. in my opinion, in most cases, you're better off having a landlord chase you than just paying them rent and hoping they do they, they do you a favor. Right. No, for sure. So on the way over here, you made you mentioned to me that a lease is like a marriage. Yes. And so, I say that as someone who's been married for a while. So. Yeah. So tell me a little bit. Explain why that is. So when you're going into an, your lease... Uh, you're really reviewing, again, if you're doing it right, you're reviewing what points are really important to you and understanding that things that are not important or, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, things that are very important, they're not going to change. So, you know, if you're going into a marriage and you know that, or you're thinking about getting married, <laughs> and you know that you're a very clean person and your wife or your potential fiance isn't, that's not going to change. Um, so with a lease, if you have something you're not comfortable with, understand that you're not going to change it after the fact Mm -hmm. so that's really you know what can you live with and i encourage people to understand that they may have the best site they may have the the most favorable rent they want but if there's something in there again where let's say a landlord can relocate them a landlord can terminate them for some reason then they might need to walk away from that lease just because they're exposed right so let's pivot away from People that let's pivot away from the negative situations. Mm-hmm. How about the positive ones? How about somebody that's absolutely crushing it, and they want to now approach the landlord about maybe an early renewal or locking the lease in for a certain amount of years after? What's your approach in those scenarios when you're advising your clients? I think you want to protect your good locations as early as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, in today's world, landlords want occupancy, and sure. depending on who you are, if your credit is really good, and the landlord, if you're a uh, Let's say you're an out parcel and that's the only thing that this particular landlord owns, like a a Burger King, for example. Mm -hmm. If you can go from three years to 10 years, the landlord can go refinance off of that. The landlord can get cap rate compression if he wants to sell. So it's important important to understand their position when you're negotiating against them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that franchisees don't really, for the most part, don't really grasp or understand. They're just looking at their position. They're like, hey... I have a great business or my business is losing money or they're literally just looking at their scenario. And when you're negotiating against somebody, 
you have to understand their position and what their incentive is. Yes. So tell yeah. me a little bit about that. Like, like how do you how do you make your franchisee? Do you have to make your franchisee understand their position, or do you kind of just handle that deal and they give you leeway to negotiate for them? It's both. I think the the most important thing with what I do is being aligned with my clients. Mm -hmm. And so what I've told everyone is, I know you want to hit the ground running, but I will not make a phone call until we're aligned in what we're looking for. Right. And because there's just nothing worse than getting a deal done that you think is favorable and the client says, I don't know what you're talking about. That's not what I want. Yeah. So working through that. And Has that ever happened to you? It, it's it's <laughs> happened a while ago. At this point, I, I'm it. adamant that I won't get started until right, we're all right. on the same page. So if someone has, let's say, 10 locations, we're going to walk through all 10 so I understand what they're looking for, what's going on, and I'm explaining at that time what the landlord is probably going to need. Right. So again, quick example, I've had people who say I've got an option you know, and I, I want my rent to be lower during the option. And they might be four months away from having to give their option or to give notice on their option. At that point, they've kind of lost leverage. So what do they have to do? Give them six years as opposed to five, do something like that, you know, lower the break point on a percentage rent. Things that, again, what's why would a landlord do a deal with someone if they've got the option sitting there and they know the person's going to exercise it? you got to incentivize the landlord as well. Yeah, and I like, uh, you know, we've in the past tr traditionally have negotiated options because it gives you as the as the as the tenant it gives you the option to renew but then you take that away from the landlord right because they can't yeah. they can't just stop or terminate your lease but as the franchisee or the tenant if you want to walk away now you have the option or you can renew it so you know i've typically liked you know having that option in the past um yeah the word I, it just on options i mean to me they're so important but you can't lose sight of what they are and that's a chance to negotiate so there's the, the worst thing I've heard from people mm -hmm. is I'm fine. I've got an option. So, you know, you could, you could take an option. If you have an option in your lease, you could call the landlord up and say, you're the worst person ever. I can't stand you. This is the worst center I've ever been in. And then the next day send a letter and there's nothing they can do about it. Just a letter to say you're renewing? To say you're renewing your lease. Okay. Yeah. So a funny story. So when I had my tropical smoothie, we ended up renewing the lease, but my brother and I had, I did that leasing deal. And we told them that we were, we were moving down the road across the, you know, it was like a mile away um, unless we got, we actually negotiated, a like I guess it'd be considered allowance or improvements mm -hmm. on a renewal. Do you ever see that? Is that common? It's It depends, again, on when you approach the landlord. So yeah. if, you, if you and your brother had gone to the landlord with a week left, if I'm a landlord, I know you don't have time to move. So mm -hmm. I've got the leverage at that point. But if you went to me a year before and said, we're going to start looking at other sites or we can do hundred percent, then you've got the left. And that just goes back to understanding their position. And we took that to the next level. We had inside information that that center was trying to sell the whole center to a bigger, a bigger fish, right? Mm -hmm. And we knew the value of them having another 10 years with our lease when they were selling that center because the value of the center would go up more, you know, more just because yeah. – there's more years left on the lease. So we we really understood their position and exactly what you just said. We did it like a month or two before we had to physically put in writing that we were exercising our renewal. So we ended up getting, it was like $20,000 to literally renew our lease of a business that was doing well. Yeah. So those types of, you know, I wish those types of, I'm sure that's stuff that you help franchisees or clients 
kind of do that type of stuff because I'm telling you, you brought up a great point about how, you know, a re an option isn't just an option. It's, a, it's an opportunity to renegotiate or negotiate something different. Exactly. You know, so I think that's, that's so important that you, that you brought that up. And I think, you know, a lot of franchisees need to be educated about that because they look at it as, okay, I have two options. I can either walk away or I can renew when realistically there's a third option and that's to negotiate and do something different, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's the, again, it's, to me, it's all about timing and understanding when you have the leverage and mm -hmm. when the landlord has the leverage. For sure. So I guess pivoting away from the franchisee side, I know on the way here we talked a little bit about how you represent franchisors or brands as well. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, for example, if they come to you and say, hey, we want to get out of some of these locations. Say they have three corporate stores and they want to get out of their leases because they're not doing well. How is that position a little bit different? And what do you do for those types of clients? So it goes back to, again, looking at who's on the lease and what their value is, if you will. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, again, just using Panda Express, who's a client, as an example, they're a multi-billion dollar company. Mm -hmm. um, the fear of them actually filing for bankruptcy is zero. Right. So <laughs> if you're, again, if you're a landlord and understand their side, they're going to have to get creative in terms of getting out of leases. Mm -hmm. So if a, if a corporate client comes to me, that's the first thing you're looking at is kind of what's your, what, what's the reality of this happening? Mm -hmm. Then you look at the center itself and understand, is it a really good center where the landlord can replace you? Uh, and then, you know, I don't handle legal, legal actions, but mm -hmm. in most states there's what's called the duty to mitigate damages, meaning the landlord can't just sit on their hands. They have to go out and actively try to really your replacement and you said that's in most states in most states okay and i actually so, didn't even know that yeah and so what that means is if someone is willing to go all the way with this then they go before a judge and a judge says yeah you might have five years left on your lease but in looking at this mr landlord you should be able to find a replacement tenant in 18 months so that's the termination so when the so if the brand if the brand were to close down you're saying that the landlord would need to find a replacement yes because they can't just sit on it knowing that they have an incredible guarantee that they can just come after essentially. Exactly. That's where a, that's where a lawyer would come in because again, they have to, the landlord has to mitigate their damages, meaning, you know, they're damaged by the tenant not being there. Right. Uh, but they, they can't just say, okay, you go find your own replacement. They have to then go find. It. So is there, is there a certain point in time where they need to do that? Because like, what if, what if they go and do that and then the brand comes back in and says, Oh, we're, we're staying here. How does that work? It really, again, it depends, depends on the state and everything mm -hmm. like that. And I can tell you in 20 years of doing this yeah. that I've seen, I think, two cases go all the way to court because inevitably you settle. It's just it's too you expensive. Go, yeah, you go, what, what you, not terminations, but talking about rent reductions again, if you went with that or mm -hmm. exercising an option, but doing it at a reduced rate, uh, it goes back to math. And this is, again, part of the process of education for both franchisees and corporate clients is what's the cost to a landlord to replace you? Mm -hmm. They're not going to get rent for, let's call it six months or more. Mm -hmm. They're going to pay a broker. They're going to have marketing costs. This is exactly what my brother and I talked about. Word for word, we were like, it's going to take them four to six months to move us out. Now, when they offered us the 20000 we came back at like seventy, <laughs> and they did not budge. So they they calculated. They have, I'm sure they have their, their formulas, and they understand what their risk is. And you know, they literally would not budge on that number. And of course we took it because I mean, we would, if we had to, 
we would have renewed for nothing, right? Yeah. I mean, it was a winning location, um, but it was just very interesting that you say all this now because that's literally how we thought about it. We went through what their position was, what they were looking to do, um, and you know what we what we realistically wanted to accomplish. Right. But you but, guys had done your homework, and that was what was important. Yeah. And you understood where the landlord was in their process, and a landlord who wants to sell. They need lights on. They need long-term leases. Right. Um, so, again, looking at the structure, if you've got a mom-and-pop owner or a 1031 mm-hmm. owner who's going to have this thing for a period of time and just want cash flow, you know, if you see family trust uh, on the ownership structure, they probably just want their distributions and that's it. They're going to be easier to deal with than someone who owns a center free and clear. They're going to hold it forever. And mm-hmm. if you leave, they'll find your replacement at some point. So what about an operator that, you know, doesn't have, you know, they have a guarantee, obviously, but they don't have, by all means, any sort of, you know, they're, they're not that financially qualified. They got on the lease. They have the guarantee. Their business is failing. Are those the type of clients you would recommend to just stop paying the rent and then you would help negotiate from there? Yeah. Again, it really depends yeah. on what the tenant, what the franchisee is willing to do because you're mm-hmm. going to get papered to death by the lawyers, yep. you're going to get phone calls, you're going to get uh, not harassed by any means, but certainly, you know, it's going to take up your life. So mm-hmm. you have to decide in advance how far you're willing to go with that. That's always, to me, a last resort. Uh, I I don't think yelling and screaming, I don't think blaming <laughs> a landlord saying you're not creating traffic, Doesn't anything, do anything like that, that's not going to do anything. Try to look for a creative solution, understanding what the landlord has going on, what your needs are. And see if you can meet them. And if not, then there's a point, yes, where, where you you're throwing good money. So it's, be- it's better to be reasonable and work with them and try to figure out a common solution. And then you're saying from there, there might be a point in time where to gain some leverage, you have to at some point stop paying your rent. Yeah, absolutely. The, okay. the first step to me is always being proactive with for the sure, for sure. being an open book. Uh, again, yep. when someone says, I'm not doing well, and then they turn around and show that they're making $100,000, you've lost all credibility with the landlord. For sure. What else do you want to talk about? Any, let me ask you this. What is one piece of advice that you would give to a franchisee if, say, say, say they were to review their own lease? What is one piece of advice you can think of that they need to look for? Uh, I would look at the everything other than the obvious. And what I mean by that mm-hmm. is um, you know, look at are, are your extras capped? And what I mean by that is can your, can your cam go up by any amount that is out there, you know, mm-hmm. the landlord deems appropriate. Um, I would look at your co-tenancy clauses. In today's world, that's probably the most important thing. So what does that mean? So what that means is, let, let's use an example of someone who's in a grocery-anchored center, and they're not a traffic driver to the center, meaning they're they're going to feed off of the traffic that comes to that center. Mm-hmm. And if in their lease, they don't have their co-tenancy tied to that grocer, meaning if the grocer closes and it's a dark space, then they can go to an alternative rent, then they're effectively dead along with that grocery. So is that something that you see in shopping malls or it's more of like outdoor centers? It's more in shopping malls, but again, that's where the decision of, is this a deal breaker? And that's like where the big, like a JCPenney's or a Sears or Macy's, is that what you're referring to? Yeah, and, and that's exactly right. So most malls will have four anchors and most tenants that are of any size or have juice, if you will, mm-hmm. will have something in there that says if there are less than three or, you know, two or more, you know, two or fewer, excuse me, things like that, uh, then they can go to a different rent structure. 
So one anchor going away, you're, I haven't seen leases that really have that mm -hmm. in there where you can go to a different restaurant. Because every mall has one anchor going away. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, especially these days. And yeah. landlords, you know, they're going to fight it to the nail. So again, mm -hmm. it's understanding both sides. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, and franchisees, they're just not, my advice would be, and obviously I'm biased, but get outside help, get someone who, you know, in my case, the work is, is typically a small fee and then working on a contingency. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to take on something that I don't feel like I can be successful with because I'm wasting my time. For sure. And that's the biggest thing is, you know, when I talked to you earlier, the fact that you work mainly on a success fee or a contingency just goes to show you that you're very confident in what, in the results that you can get for a client. So with that said, what would, what's the best way to reach out to you? If someone that listened want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, via the, my email, which is Andrew at ARM consulting LLC.com or, uh, office phone, which is eight, four, seven, six, Oh, seven, one, four, seven, five. Perfect. Last question on the episode. Is there anyone that you think should be on this show? In the franchise industry, anybody. Uh, so anybody that's in the space, whether they're a franchise owner, a franchisor, um, someone you know that does what you do, or somebody that's an account, anybody. I, I would. I mean, I, I think I would try to go get an owner of retail centers. Okay, and, that's a, that's a good idea. You know, my my thought is get their perspective so that again, I I can share what they have going on, but that's from experience negotiating with them. Mm -hmm. Get it directly from the horse's mouth. That's a really good idea. Is there anyone that you know that sh that is in that, that does that? Uh, there is. We can talk about it offline. Just I'm not <laughs> sure if that person will come no worries, on. No worries. You know, if I'm a landlord, I don't know that I want to come on. But. <laughs> Understood. Sometimes, every this is, our, so this is our seventh episode. It's probably, what, what would you say, 50-50? Sometimes... They say what you say, or we actually call them out on there. We're like, "Hey, you got to be on the show." So that's why I wanted to see what your what your uh, reaction would be. Yeah, no, I like it. Yeah, but all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. Um, again, if you want to reach out to Andrew, his office line is eight four seven six zero seven one four seven five. Perfect. And make sure to subscribe to our episode. We're on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at Franchisees United.